Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Off The Real. I'm Michael. I'm Patrick. And I'm RJ. So on this here little podcast of ours, we talk about this app called Letterboxd quite a bit. So ultimately what Letterboxd is, is if you're a movie lover, you can not only log movies you've watched, you can like write them little reviews, give them a up to five star rating, and you can pick a top four favorite films. So today's episode, we're going to go, each of us are going to talk about our top four on Letterboxd. Yeah, we're going to go around the room, we're going to do one each, it's it's going to be our own little personal orders, so right. hopefully it won't be, we won't run out of shit to talk about with the first few, <laughs> um, but you never know. So this was actually RJ's idea when he first came up with it, I was like, it there's in no world can I come up, can I pick four favorite movies? Because I have like 500 favorite it's movies. Yeah. <laughs> but it's already on the website. Yeah. You yeah. <laughs> already had it on there. And it's all, it's, it's, to a certain extent, it's all arbitrary because, yeah, you can't really reduce yeah. your favorite movies to that. I mean, I think I can. I never have a favorite movie at one point. Yeah. It's the last movie I watched. It's the, the, your favorite movie's the last movie. I remember The yeah. Flash was originally on your list yeah. for a while. I was like, we did like a two-hour episode on that movie. Yeah. We don't need to talk about it anymore. See, for a while, that's how, how I would do my Letterbox Top 4 was I just I picked my four favorite movies, which is, honestly, I, I do stand by each of them, and the, those are the ones we will be talking about today, but they are not the movies that are constantly on my mind at any given moment. Those Those switch out every once in a while. They they vary up, so I think from now on I'm that's how I'm going to do my top four. What? Whatever movie that you really like that I've been that, that I just can't stop Stank thinking about. It on your brain. I'm going to replace something on my top four with. Yeah, yeah. So that's just what how I'm going to do it from now on. I always forget it's there. The top four. Yeah, I only put things in there to piss y'all off most of the time. Yeah, for yeah. a joke, you piece yeah, for of a shit. Joke. <laughs> Letterbox is a joke. Oh, you're a joke. I am. Yeah, but that you're not very sad. funny. My number four, my fourth favorite film of all time. Is a little mo- a little ditty from um, William Peter Blatty called The Exorcist Three. The Exorcist Three, a movie I thought I'd never watch. <laughs> <laughs> Are you glad or disappointed that you watched it, RJ? Was I glad or disappointed? I would say I was neither. Okay, I just watched it. Okay, it was just something that happened. <laughs> it just started and ended, and I was like, that was that was interesting. Yeah, you you didn't like it. Like, I that liked it. You it, told me you thought it was dense. It was very dense. That's what I liked about it. Though. I like that. Yeah. That's what, that's what I love about it's like it. It's like a horror. It's like not a horror movie, but it is. It's novelistic. Yeah, it's a it, novel. That's what I love about it. It's based on a novel. It's a, see, I love the, I've always loved the movie, but to me it is a horror movie, but it's a very different horror movie it's where literally different. the scariest part of other than the infamous like jump scare scene mm. with the scissors that gets me every time Fantastic. I watch it. Fantastic. But it's a horror movie that literally What's scary about it is just a conversation. Yeah. Oh, between yeah. like the devil and this cop, mm-hmm. and it's fucking terrifying. <laughs> just what they're saying yeah. to each other. Because what always the worst part of any horror movie is usually the denouement, like the ending, where you see all the horror uh, like unfold, like a, uh, and it's no longer left up to the imagination. What I love about this movie so much is that it's a dialogue-driven horror film in which all of the horrors are described and allowed for you to like put pictures to yourself. Yeah. But it's never at the deficit of entertainment value. Of, it's very well written. Yes, it is. Sorry. It's so sharp. Every line of dialogue I could, I could probably quote as yeah, it goes yeah. along because it's just so vividly rendered. What does by he the say about the fish in the bathtub? 
My wife's mother is visiting father, and on Tuesday she's cooking us a carp. It's a tasty fish. I have nothing against it. But because it's supposedly filled with impurities, she buys them live. And, and for the past two weeks, it's been swimming up and down in our bathtub. Up and down. And I hate it. I can't stand the sight of it. Moving its gills. I can't go home until the carp is asleep. <laughs> that sounds I... interesting to you. <laughs> it's one of the funniest scenes in cinema so history. It caught me off guard because it was so serious. It's so good. It's No, it's a fucking hilarious movie. There's hilarious, so much great yeah. comedy in it. William Peter Blatty, originally he was a comedy writer. Oh, really? He wrote comedies. And they're like, there's... I think Ned, Ned uh, not Ned, Ed Flanders is one of the funniest people in the world. He plays. Um, He's the main guy. He play, No, he plays the the, the, priest. the priest. Yeah, he was great. Um, and he, the way that he delivers dialogue in William Peter Blatty films is some of the greatest Ooh. synergy of um, writer the rest of them. and actor. He's only done one other film, so it's not oh. going to be hard. <laughs> Damn it! He's so good. He's so good. I actually, don't want to watch another movie. <laughs> yeah, you were talking about that. You don't well, want to watch another movie? I'm sick of movies. Why? So I should say, we actually prepared for this episode. I, I, and it was my fault. Well, we went through to chat. everybody's list and watched all the movies yeah. that we haven't seen on each other's list. In the group chat, I said, I want to do this episode by, it was like last Friday. Yeah. So it was like a hard deadline. It was homework. Mm. And I was like, fuck. I got to watch the best movies ever made. <laughs> <laughs> Which, it, it did also exhaust me. I mean, they're great movies, but I have this... But I want to watch the movies I want to watch. That's exactly what yeah, I said. Yeah, that's all it is. Yeah. You, so Patrick recently changed his list. Oh, my God. But we're sticking to his old list. <laughs> Last night. <laughs> was it two, two days ago? <laughs> Four goddamn movies I have not watched. You've seen Targets. Targets yeah, is I've seen Targets. Targets is really good. Blowout's amazing. What's funny is Blowout's almost blowout. made my list. <laughs> blowout is a – this is my re- review of Blowout. One of God's few perfect movies. Mm-hmm. You got to see really it, RJ. Good. I have yeah, four w- perfect movies on my list. <laughs> Not true. But when you change we'll your list. Like technically five. <laughs> when you change your list, my reaction was, I don't want to watch these movies anymore. I want to watch movies I want to yeah. watch. And exactly. RJ was just like, I don't want to watch any movies. <laughs> <laughs> I want to play Forza on the Xbox. Yeah. I, I got to say, there's one movie, technically two movies on your list, that once I got around to watching it, I sat in front of the TV with a fucking... <laughs> hollow-eyed gaze <laughs> going, I could be watching fucking Lucio Fulci's God or, or Cat in the Brain right now. I could be watching anything else that I want to be watching, but I'm watching this piece of shit. No offense. Wow. But um, let's talk more about Exorcist 3. Yeah, yeah. Um, RJ, what did you think of the infamous jump scare sequence? It didn't jump scare me. Did you think it was... Um, Tactful? Did you think it was there was, was craft in it a month ago? Like a month ago, ago yeah. yeah. So it's like Jesus. very. I could see it vividly, like the guy walking it from the room, and then she like jumps yeah. behind, or the it's the guy with the scissors. Yeah, it's the it's like the it's what, nun, what, what right? outfit is that? Or is yeah, it, it's like it's a, like a nun. It's like a nun nurse outfit. Killing another nun or something. I, I love it. It's a nun killing a a nurse. Yeah. What I love about it is like kind of what you were saying. Like all horror movies, one thing they have in common is. They go all visuals. Mm-hmm. They they show you shit that scares you. Yeah. 
This movie doesn't. It doesn't rely on ju- yeah. like it lets you use your imagination while yes. they're having this conversation because while they're having this conversation, you're picturing mm-hmm. the shit they're saying, and mm-hmm. they can't possibly show something that's going to be scarier exactly. than what you're imagining. And so you're like, they're not going to have a jump scare, and then this that's the one jump scare in the yeah, entire yeah. movie, yeah, and, and it's, it's insane. It's it, so good, it wrecks you. And, and, <laughs> and there's one of my favorite like little subtle moments in that jump scare is the fact that just the little sound design as she's walking out of the room before the, the killer, killer jumps out. Behind her, from the room, is you hear her close the door. Yeah, mm. and then no sooner does she close the door than the, the killer. killer comes through. So it's supernatural. That's like really it's cool. impossible yeah. for him to come out that quickly with those fucking scissors, which are described in the be- like maybe thirty minutes into the movie as really difficult to open and close. Yeah. yeah. So it needs like almost superhuman strength to like do what the fuck the, the killer, killer. Does with them. that she has them just wide open. The, the killer. killer. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. The, speaking to that, there's. Um, William Peter Blatty used to work in um, the, the military. And what he worked in was psychological war- warfare. That's the division he worked in. So in this film and in the original Exorcist, there's a heavy emphasis on subliminal imagery and sound effects that are psychologically, like scientifically tailored to fuck you up. Like there's, like there's, th- like there's three screams in this movie that are the most unsettling noises I've ever heard in my life. One of them is the scream that the woman gives when she finds the the priest's body in the, um, uh, in the, the confessional booth. Oh, in the, the confessional, confessional booth. Yeah. <laughs> The way that oh my god, it's so incredible! And they actually they actually shot, built a puppet, not a puppet, but like a like a uh, it's not an animatronic. It's just like just they, a, built, they built they built something. The body. They built the body, yeah. and it's like the priest's head is in his own lap, and there's gore slathered everywhere. It's in Fangoria. I actually bought an old '90s Fangoria because I'm such a big fan of the That's film. That's awesome. Um, where you see the head of the priest, it's sitting in his lap, and so that was originally in the movie, but they cut that out, and you just hear. It cuts immediately from a shot of the priest looking terrified to this horrific otherworldly scream and then a shot of two children sitting, staring at the woman screaming, the woman screaming, and then blood running down the the floorboards of this fucking... Dude, I could talk about this movie all day. Not but. enough could be said for, like, Scream Queens. Like, a scream uh, done right can make mm-hmm. you feel so much in a horror movie. <laughs> Yeah, like that. Like that. Did yeah. it get you? Yes. Kind of did. <laughs> did a little bit. Kind of did. I'm getting a little buzz from that shot I took. So it kind of freaked me the fuck out. I, I'm realizing that may have been a mistake because I got to talk like intimately about cinema for two more hours. For like two and a half more hours. This is definitely going to be a long episode. Um, I, I could talk. I really want to. I'm sorry. I know that we, we have a lot more movies to talk about, but I really, I don't have a lot of touch. I like the, the unraveling of the plot because it's, it's very insane. dense, but like if you stick with it, mm-hmm. it like it really shows itself to you. It makes you work, yeah, which you I have love. To work for it. Mm-hmm. Like and you're like, what's up with his thumb, or was it the thumb or the, the hand? Yeah, because yeah, he keeps yeah. like, like before he, they describe it. Like you see him like checking everybody, yeah. for the marks of the, the killer. killer. That's great. And then 40 minutes in, he explains why he's been doing it. Mm-hmm. So it like it really rewards rewatch. Oh yeah, because there's information that you wouldn't have gleaned. Like the misspelled first time. words, a very interesting thing. Yes. Because every time I. 
the first like couple times I watched it, I forgot it like the second and maybe even third time I watched it, I was like, they misspelled wonderful. Yeah. And it's a wonderful life. I think I asked you, I was like, was that misspelled? And you're like, and I went, shut the fuck up. And not to even go deeper, but like something has to be said for like the cast. Like if anybody, oh, anybody but Brad Dwarf was in that role, it probably yeah, uh, wouldn't be as good of a movie. I believe originally <clears throat> they just had um, Jason, I'm forgetting his last name. Um, the, the, the original a- actor for Karis in that role. Um, but he was the, that actor, Jason something, um, they, they, um, he, he was like an alcoholic and was, shut the fuck up. (laughs) Um, he was an alcoholic and like he, he just, he's really good in his bit part, but he's, he, there's no world in which he would have been able to deliver. In which you would have been able to deliver the lines like Brad Dourif delivers the lines. Yeah, definitely. That's what made it creepy, just the way he can deliver dialogue. The, the way that he shifts, like, almost, not, not personalities, but, like, modes of speech, even, like, halfway through a line of dialogue. I love, what is it he says? He's like, I, I love jazz, or whatever the fuck he goes on. I, I, um, but I like plays. The good ones. Shakespeare. I like Titus Andronicus the best. It's sweet. Incidentally, did you know that you are talking to an artist? I sometimes do special things to my victims. Things that are creative. Of course, it takes knowledge, pride in your work. For example, a decapitated head can continue to see for approximately 20 seconds. So when I have one that's cocking, I always hold it up so that it can see its body. It's a little extra I throw in for no average. <laughs> and throughout the movie, um, he's like crying while delivering these lines. And it, and you can feel like you, at first you're like why is he why is he crying why is he doing this what 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 are the is he just playing a crazy role character but no it's I think it's Karis coming out underneath him like it's Karis's body crying because he can't control the fact that fucking um, that the killer is controlling him the killer yeah yeah and with Brad Dwarf you don't just get dialogue you get like body language yeah unlike any like unlike anyone else can I be frank. Mm-hmm. The one thing that disappointed me about this movie was the reveal of the mystery that it was a demon, which I don't know what I was expecting because it's an exorcist movie. Yeah. What, what, what do you mean? Extrapolate? I don't know. It was just like, oh, a demon's doing it. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, it, to me, it's more complex than that, which it, I find it interesting. Is. I just, I might not remember it. Because well it, what it is, is it's the Gemini killer who's, God damn it. I can't remember his name either. It was like Frankie Muniz. It's like. What the? Really? Frankie um, Muniz. <laughs> it's, but it's it's the kill. It's the Gemini killer who I believe was being chased and was even captured by Kinderman. Yeah, and he's and they executed, executed him. Yeah, on the same night. His name is James Veneman, the killer, the yeah, Gemini yeah. killer, was executed on the same night that Father Karras died. Um, and so Pazuzu, being the demon from the first film, is so pissed off. Are we recording? Yeah. Is the demon is so pissed off that he got killed? That he um, by oh so it is actually a sequel to the first one yeah oh that's what that might be why I was kind of lost a little bit it, it it's more of a sequel to the novel 
Oh, okay. Because it, it, it follows up on like elements that aren't super focused on in the film. Yeah. Which I love. It's more of an adaptation of the sequel novel Legion than it is a sequel to The Exorcist. Interesting. Which I love. That's cool. Yeah. It's cause, because it's its own thing. It doesn't give a fuck if you've seen the first movie. Yeah. It doesn't give a fuck if you've read the book, but it just has its information. It's just a lived-in story, and the dialogue is incredible. Yeah, it's great. The editing is insane. The, I love the opening. Is cool. I remember, tell me about it. like the. But that's that's another thing where it's like, kind of information's revealed to you in these very obtuse ways. Yeah, I which love I, it. Which I like it. Yeah. Yeah, because it makes you work. It makes your brain work. Yeah, like you have to pay attention. To like the kid in the beginning, he comes back to be a plot point, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Where the, just the shot of the kid at the beginning, where yeah, yeah it's the like POV the rose shot or something. Yeah, and then yeah. the rose. Mm-hmm. I have a dream of her. I dream of a rose and falling down a long flight of stairs. It's so fucking good. Yeah, yeah. And there, there's these moments that I don't really understand. I, they have this psychological effect on me, and they stick with me. But like from a storytelling perspective, and from like the rule base that I know, they make no sense. There's like little scenes in this film and in Ninth Configuration, where dialogue is like placed into scenes in voiceover where they should not be and where they don't really make sense, but they have such potent psychological impact. Like the first time you see James Veneman, um, as Karis, like, you know, it's, 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 um, Kinderman when he goes to visit the, the, the disturbed ward and he sees, you know, the silhouette of Karis in the room and the camera like kind of lingers and follows goes back into the room and pans up Karis and you see a silhouetted face. You just see the silhouette of Karis, and you hear a voiceover from James Veneman, uh, um, Brad Dourif. You hear him go, "I was 19 when I, or I was 23 when I died," and um, that's just not connected to anything. But it has such like potent effect. I don't yeah. understand it. It's just so fucking good. Fuck me! It's such a good movie. Can we talk real quick also about the dreams? Can oh we talk- yeah, the weird ass dream scene. I fucking come for that dream scene. <laughs> It looks like it should be in like dogma. It's like it's a comedy scene. It's yeah. like it's so weird yeah, it's very and strange. absurd, mm-hmm. but it's still my favorite kind of horror is the horror. It's the two kind of horrors that this film uh, works off of. So so I I don't want to keep saying potently, but it's so emphatically, which is the horror of implication, which is horror through dialogue, through description, without forsaking. Um, you know, the show not, don't tell, um, which is a very thin line to draw. And this film toes that line so beautifully. But um, it's that horror and horror that should be absurd. But like it, ju- it also toes the line of being yeah, like, that's my favorite absurd and like deeply disturbing because there's certain things like if you see in real life, you are traumatized and you will never be the same. But if you see them in a movie, you point and you laugh because yeah, it's yeah, stupid. Yeah. Right. That is never more beautifully photographed in this than in this film. In the dream scene where Kinderman is going through heaven. He's wandering through heaven and it's just a fucking train station yeah. with all these body like these dead people with their having heads a good time sewed man. back on. They're they're like <laughs> listening to music. Like yeah, the angels are like there there's like playing cards there's uh, souls like arguing with angels about yeah. like when they're going to have their departure time mm-hmm. um which t- ties into a film we're going to discuss later about heaven um 
there's like yeah there's there's a guy playing a harp there's a character playing a piano yeah. they're playing cards there's like a there's like a jazz quartet like snapping their fingers and shit um, and then he finally he, he, he encounters the dead boy from the opening he's like Lieutenant how you doing Lieutenant I'm so sorry you were murdered Thomas I miss you I miss you too and one of my favorite oh, one of my favorite dialogue exchanges of like two lines between any two characters in cinema history is Kinderman happens upon Father Dyer and he's, he's got his head sewn back on. He's like playing cards with an angel and he sees him and he smiles and he goes, You know, I wonder if both of us are dreaming this. No, Bill. I'm not dreaming. And then like just smash cuts to these nightmare images. Any other thoughts you guys have on this film? It was cool. I was surprised by how much I liked it because it's not really my jam. Yeah, it's insane. It's incredible. You yeah, should watch it again. Yeah. Give it another go. I remember the first. <laughs> I remember you always talked about it, and like when we first started hanging out, you would always talk mm-hmm. about it. I love it. And I was like, I'm gonna watch this, and I was like tired or something. I was like, I got off work, and I was like, let me lay down and watch The Exorcist three. Yeah, it's a bad I was idea. Like, Fuck this. <laughs> this is too much. So, I mean, you should, if you're going to watch it, you should really be in the right headspace to kind of be able to, to like want to ingest something very dense. Like, a, yeah. it's like a meal it, movie. It's, it's, a, it's a fucking, you got to not watch anything for like three days. Yeah, and exactly. Suck it down. But um, let me let me tell you that I, what I think is the perfect way to watch it. 3 a.m. Maybe not 3 a.m. Most people can't make it to 3 a.m. Definitely watch it during the daytime. 11 p.m. 1 a.m. Okay, 1 a.m. We'll we'll compromise and say midnight. Midnight, alone in your bedroom. Headphones. Headphones. Yeah. Oh, dude. Haunting. With the screen right up on your face. Yeah, I watched this. That's how the last time before I watched it. It's like psychedelic in a way, too. I bet if you watch it it that way. Yeah. Because it... we watched it in the middle of the day, all together yeah. in the room. It, it, yeah, that, which, which probably like hampered I, the effect of it. I was like, I was like writhing in my seat. I was like, "This is not how this movie's supposed like, to be." RJ hates watched. it. RJ hates it. Mike doesn't like it as much. This movie sucks <laughs> I now. Like, I love it. I was like, "It's pretty good." Yeah, it's really <laughs> fucking good. But yeah, I, the last time I watched it, I watched it alone in my house, and I've seen it like four or five times. The last time I watched it before you guys, I watched it alone in my house before I moved here my roommate was out and I was alone in the house and I finished it and I was like walking to my bathroom in pitch black and I was like unsettled. Mm. I don't know, but it's so fucking good. Yeah. Okay. Mike, do you have any other thoughts on the film? I think, no, I think we've already discussed them or you discussed them. I can't stop talking. About <laughs> I'm not going to talk about my movies so much because I didn't rewatch them. George C. Scott is a god. Okay. Let's move on. All right. Yeah. I'll, I'll go mine because like I'll, for my top four, like it's not necessarily like I said, it's not necessarily my favorite movies of all time. But I wanted to put a horror movie in there because horror mm-hmm. is very near and dear to me. Of course. And I couldn't decide what to put. I was like, do I put Hereditary, which is probably like my of the newer horror movies is probably one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. So I ended up going to the movie that got me into horror, which is Nightmare on Elm Street. But I, I just remember being a kid and uh, this movie came out and I wanted to see it so bad. It looked awesome. Well, I was born the year this came out. I think it was like the sequels. Freddy was like, you could not go anywhere or watch anything on TV without Freddy. Like Freddy had a, his own little night. Uh, what is it? Tell us from the Crypt TV show. Yeah. New, uh, Freddy's Nightmares. <laughs> Freddy's Nightmares. Yeah. And, there so, also, no, and I was a child, and I was like, well, I want to watch these movies. And my parents were like, no, they're too scary for you. And I was like, oh, come on. So we, at this point, we rented movies every weekend. But back in the day, when you go to a video store on Friday night. Miss those days, bro. Right. So I begged and pleaded until finally my parents were like, fine, rent the fucking movie. Mm-hmm. So I rented the original Nightmare on Elm Street. My sister, who was eight years older than me, terrified her. 
me at like the age of five, maybe six. Loved it. Yeah. Thought Freddy was the funniest guy ever. <laughs> Wanted him to kill all these annoying teenagers. Oh, oh, I, oh. I, yeah, I disagree. Can we get uh, can we get into it real quick? Yeah, go for it. I, I thought what what I like, and I don't know if RJ feels the same way. I don't think he does. Go ahead. But what I like about this movie is how little of Freddy we get. Yeah, he yeah, really is. Uh, I was surprised. He's implied. He's really scary. He's, he's talked about yeah. scenes. He's fucking maybe? scary in this. He is. I mean, this movie is made in 84, and it still mm-hmm. is terrifying even today to watch. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. Don't worry about I, the reboot. I wouldn't say terrifying. I wasn't terrified. I, I, I <laughs> love the ideas. Yeah, that's a really cool. The ideas are so fucking good. It's just the idea that you go to sleep and he can kill you in your dream. Like, the one safe place you have, like, going to sleep. <laughs> yeah. And that's where this guy can get you. Well, it, and, and it's also a matter of it's the one thing you can literally not escape. Exactly. Yeah. You she have to sleep. seven days, which is insane. That is insane. <laughs> She's like, we're on day seven. That's what makes it so <laughs> genius because, like, this, like you said, it's the one place you cannot Brilliant. escape. You have yeah. to sleep eventually. It's and insane. that's what all these movies, even the sequels, that's all they are, is, like, how can these teenagers stay awake? Like, I think... The third movie, third or fourth movie, is like literally Patricia Arquette, like in her bed eating coffee, like eating oh, raw coffee. Yeah, where, where the mom's like, "Go to bed." She takes the coffee cup. She goes under her bed, pulls out a whole coffee maker. And <laughs> <laughs> okay. I love that. I that was com- awesome. I-, I love that scene. It's so funny, <laughs> but it's also so stupid. It's so stupid. What is the what is the most pungent yeah the most pungent <laughs> smell in the world Wa- like indicator of wakefulness and also it's, it's literally like the Folgers <laughs> commercial it's like oh that smell and a 1980s coffee machine is gonna be the hottest thing in the world yeah, you're gonna right. burn your house down immediately it's so funny are you jealous in the 80s Time. they had it in the 70s 80s they had a big advantage in horror movies where they take these simple concepts mm-hmm. and turn them into horror creatures I think there's still plenty to be plumbed. Dude. There is. I, I mean, there's still new ideas out there to be done. Like an evil I'm, TV, evil cell phone. Bro, I got. I mean, like we all got. We all got ideas. See, what, all, the, there's the, already a movie about an evil cell phone okay. app. There's evil cell phones. Evil TikTok. Evil TVs. Donald Trump. Evil hot chips. No, not yet. Not yet. We could. Evil Trump. Oh, yeah, that's the Trump prophecy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, are you revealing yourself as a liberal, uh, RJ? Oh, fucking, no. no, hell no, brother. You're going to see my list and see I'm not a fucking liberal. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get into that. Nightmare on Elm Street. <clears throat> Yeah, um, like uh, the Unholy Trilogy, ever since I was a kid, he's been my favorite. Like yeah. when you talk about like Freddy, Freddy Jason, Jason, or Michael, Michael, it's always been Freddy. What but, do you think of the ending of this one? Yeah. Okay, the ending or the ending ending? The, the whole ending. I mean, well. I love the ending of how she decides to like bring him out of the her dream yeah. where she's yeah, that, yeah, that's human. Great. And, and that's with, awesome. That was With brilliant. The, the, the booby traps. Yeah. That's yeah. amazing. That's that why fun. Nancy's one of the greatest. Oh, oh yeah. Me and Patrick were watching. The ending ending that. where Freddie pulls her mom through a very tiny hole. I, okay. That was it's not horrible, but it hasn't aged very well. I'm referring to, you could say it. I, I, I like that ending. I like that. I like that, you know, it's this unearthly vibe. Yeah, the dad yeah. sees it and he's like, what the fuck? Yeah. yeah he get, she gets in the car and it's fucking, it's got Freddie Krueger like oh, that sweater pissed me shirt. off. Sweater. I love that. that pissed I love me it. off, dude. And then no, but now I'm talking about the fake no, ending yeah, yeah. where she's like, I don't believe in you. It's too late, Kruger. I know the secret now. It's just a dream. You're not alive. The whole thing is just a dream. Mm-hmm. And then he disappears, and, then he and I disappears, was like, yeah. "I was like, that's the worst ending ever." It's so lame. And that's yeah. literally how the re- it reboot ends. 
Which is, but they no, bully him to death. It chapter two ends in, so much more hilariously, where they literally they bully him. They literally submission. bully him to death. They they literally diminish him. Literally, <laughs> they literally do. He just gets smaller and smaller. He's like, start making fun of me. I'm the destroyer of worlds, and he's like, he turns into a cartoon puddle. That's it's awesome. It's so funny, and he's like, so a, stupid. It's animatronic, and he's like, I'm a cart. I'm a destroyer of worlds, and then they tear him open and rip his heart out and eat it. Oh shit. I have something to say about Nightmare on Elm Street. Yes. Oh, yeah. I Nightmare thought the blonde bitch was going to be the main character. I love that. That's yeah. So, I love subversion in Yeah, movies. that was really cool. I love that when I, I was that watching movies. that. I was like, oh, the blonde lady. Not, she had sex, and I was like, oh, this is a Wes Craven movie. Oh, no. Uh, uh, Wes Craven, he actually goes against our role. Yeah. You can have sex and live in a Wes Craven uh, movie. Okay. I, not in this one. See, okay. Here's what I love about Wes Craven. He is... He's not the greatest technician. You go to a John Carpenter movie, you know, at least in the early to mid days, you know it's going to be one of the most gorgeous movies you've ever seen in your life because Dean Cundy is doing the cinematography. It's got all these beautiful, ornate camera moves. Uh, Wes Craven's not that. Um, Wes Craven's kind of rough around the edges with his visuals. I think that's what makes him awesome, though. Yeah, yeah. And what, what makes him potent is his ideas. He's all about his ideas. And there's like this weird melodrama that I love that really spoke to me as a kid when I was watching his movies. The, the, I think everybody who loves Wes Craven was first introduced to his movies as a child. Yeah. Because they're they're like movies in in broad strokes. They're like they're absurd and they're goofy and they've got these insane fucking concepts and ideas. And if you watch them, perhaps I, I was watching New Nightmare recently. And I was like, if Love I watched this movie. for the first time now, I'd think it was silly and goofy and melodramatic. Would you consider this one melodramatic? I, I didn't. I didn't. I like the characters. I, I liked I all the it. people in this it. movie. I love this fucking. And movie. this is the very first movie that introduces Johnny Depp. You, I, I was mad he died. I was like, fuck. Yeah. He was a nobody though. He this was literally his first yeah. movie, so he wasn't Johnny Depp yet. So they just killed him early on. What I think is funny is that he has a cameo in Freddy's Dead, the, the sixth film, when he pops up on the TV yeah, and he does the. Oh. Once again, this is your brain. This is your brain on drugs. Questions? Yeah! What do you want? Looks like a frying pan and some eggs to me. And then Freddy beats the shit out of him with a frying pan. But then, nice. then the next film is New Nightmare, which is an incredible movie. Um, but Wes so Craven good. originally wanted... Johnny Depp to be in it, yeah. But he got scared. He was like, "There's no way that Johnny Depp would be in this." Have you, has he, he seen Johnny Depp movies? Yeah, <laughs> they, 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 they like did the premiere, and Johnny Depp came. He was like, "Wes, why didn't you ask me to be in it? Aww. I would have been in it." And he went, "Oh, I fucked this all up." Didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> it's an ins- that's an insane movie. You should it watch. is. Oh, it's yeah. like the idea of Freddy has gotten so big; it has manifested him. Ooh, I love that to it's be a true killer, and, and it has like Robert England as Robert England. Yeah. Huh? And, and the and actress that plays Nancy, I don't remember her name. And he's uh, d- uh, uh, Deanna oh, Biagolo. Oh, don't tell me. Uh, Deanna Marcello. Uh, shut the fuck up, RJ. Um, Santis. It's Nancy Thompson as the character played by Heather Langenkamp. There you go. But um, yeah, and <laughs> my man did a Jimmy Neutron brain blast. <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, what about the random ass goat in the beginning? The goat. The goat. There's the a goat. In the Nightmare, Nightmare on Elm Street. Street. I have to be honest. I only I woke up and RJ was already watching it, and I was like, "Oh no, I don't have to." Fucking yeah, it was. Watch like, it. I was like halfway through, 
And I really where want to finish it. Where was the goat at? I don't remember the goat. And the, the, the opening of the movie is the dream. It's the, um, I can't remember her name, the blonde girl's dream. Yeah. Oh, God. And she sees, name? like, she's in school, and she walks out of her classroom, and it's, like, all the lockers, but it's, like, dark, and there's, like, shit blowing around, yeah. and there's a random goat at the end of the hallway just, meh, <laughs> just out of nowhere. <laughs> and if you watch the commentary, they're like, what was with the goat? And Raven's like, we just had a goat on set. <laughs> and I, just, I was like, why was there a goat on set? I fucking love put it. In, put it in. Put it in. Put it in the fucking movie. Like, I just have it hang out. Silly, goofy ass. Well, I mean, so a much. dream is all random nonsense. So. Yeah. RJ, I, I, and I think you'll agree with me, Mike. RJ would love pretty much any Wes Craven movie. Wes Craven's Every amazing. Wes Craven movie I've seen, I've, I've liked. Because Wes Craven is such a good, was a good filmmaker. A, a, after after Nightmare on Elm Street, whenever he, fell off of life. whenever he got enough money to make anything he wanted, he went batshit ballistic, and he was like, we're going to do a movie where a guy can live in a fucking TV, and he's evil, and he can also body jump, and he can also, and then there's people under the stairs, but they're not the bad guys. No, they're not the bad guys. It's the incest twins. <laughs> and he just goes fucking insane in every movie. Are we doing a West Craven episode? We absolutely should. Uh, I could I fucking. And then don't get me started. Don't get me fucking started on twelve uh, on my soul to take. I could go for five hours. I love my soul to take. On my soul to take. I love his movie that nobody likes. Cursed, the werewolf movie with Christina Ricci. Everybody that hates while. that movie. I don't hate. Was that it that on your top ten Halloween? No. no, no, y'all had a several werewolf films. Yeah, because werewolves are. I this Halloween I'm going to watch every werewolf movie. I fucking yeah. love werewolf <laughs> movies. Me. We had Ginger Snaps. Okay, uh, okay. RJ, let me try to sell you on Cursed. I'm sold. It's scr- it's Scream, <laughs> but with werewolves set in Hollywood. So right. instead of like being a teen Scream movie, it's werewolves. a Hollywood movie in the same vein of like the dialogue and the style of characters, but it's werewolves. It's like it's a whodunit slasher I'm not gonna with lie. werewolves. I'm scared of werewolves. They're fucking so well. They're yeah, like dogs, but people. Let me t- let me describe this scary. one scene. This is actually maybe I shouldn't ex- ruin this because RJ would. Yeah, let's wait for the West Craven episode. Yeah. Next the, episode the in, in, in three years. Oh, the bird. <laughs> She's got a bony ass, and then the bird. Everybody who's seen the movie knows what I'm talking about. RJ doesn't, but it's one of the fun, and it goes like "fuck you." It's so good. <laughs> um, but do we have anything else to say about Nightmare on Elm Street? Um, for the sake of time, let's just, let's turn it's it over to sweet. RJ. Oh, it's so good. You didn't like it actually, right? I liked it. You thought it was oh, okay. It was okay. And it's one horror movie. I will say it's a huge horror franchise, like Nightmare mm-hmm. on Elm Street. Everybody's heard of it. Yeah. All the sequels are good except two, but all the sequels. <laughs> Even two has some stuff to like in it, but it's not great. Yeah. But I literally, there's not a sequel to this I movie really I hate. Them. RJ, you're number four. All right. So my number four spot could have been a number of movies that fit the same criteria. Mm-hmm. It could have been Total Recall. It mm-hmm. could have been Showgirls. Mm-hmm. Oh. Pennies from Heaven. But it's Starship Troopers. Fuck <sighs> yeah, bitches. The first movie I watched and I was like, this is sick as shit. <laughs> the, first, yeah. the first space movie where I was like, this isn't fucking lame and gay. And this there's is co- awesome. There's limbs and gore and titties, and titties everywhere. everywhere. All the titties. <laughs> I would watch this with my dad and it was like the first time where you're like, I know what parody is. It's like they're squishing the bugs. Yeah, yeah. I was like, dad, but the bugs aren't the bad guys. Yeah. He's like, what? What? So yeah. I, think, I think everybody had those parents that like whenever titties came on screen, they were like, turn your head or yeah, close yeah. your My eyes. Was Don't like this, was, this was the first movie that I remember that I was just like really into it as a kid. And I was like probably 11, 12, something yeah. like that. And I was just super into it. And titties came on screen. And my mom was like, turn your head. And I was like, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> Starship Troopers. 
is one yeah. of those movies that I can't separate from like how much I fucking love that movie as a child. It was so good. Oh, yeah. It's so good. Like I especially for me, I'm, I've always been, I still am as a grown man, mm-hmm. terrified of roaches. Do not oh, like yeah. bugs. Not a fan. And that movie was like right up my alley, like the giant ass uh, roaches. You, you would have been with the people, just killing them for no reason. Hell yeah! The Damn. kids are like stomping on them outside. Like <laughs> I'm doing my part too. And the whole movie is in, uh, like a uh, propaganda yeah. infomercial. It's so good. This movie makes me sympathize with bugs. That's why I can never kill a cockroach because yeah. I'm like the cockroaches. Are- never mind. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> say it. Say it, bitch. Oh, I said the cockroaches are Iraq people. That's what? Actually, the? That's true, actually, in, yeah. the, in the context of yeah, the, the film. In the context of the film. Oh, yeah, yeah. It, I stand it, with the Iraq people. They did nothing wrong. This movie fuels so many conspiracy theories because it really? predicts 9-11. With the Buenos Aires? <laughs> the implication I always found in Starship Troopers is that the bugs, the bugs sending the meteor. It. Yeah, it's a false flag operation. Yeah, it's a false flag. So it's it's it calls forward to 9-11. Because on the ship, the, the woman... The main woman, she's like, if we change our trajectory this much, it'll like save this much time. Yeah, and she does it, and she's the reason they hit the asteroid oh, and direct shit. it into Earth that hits oh, Buenos Aires. Yeah, wow, I didn't think of that. Yeah. I didn't think about. I've seen that movie nine thousand times. Yeah, and she went through officer training. She did like a whole higher level. Yeah, than our boy Ringo. Whatever Ringo, Johnny, is it Ringo? Is it Ringo? No, it's Rico. not Johnny Ringo. Rico. Johnny Rico. 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 Rico is Johnny a beetle. Ringo. Yeah. Johnny Ringo. I love Rico. Is He's one of the best characters. We Kill the bugs, pull. He just has no like grasp on his life. Yeah, <laughs> he just wants some pussy, and he's like, "I'm gonna join the I, army." I, I love that his that his main conflict is the movie is I got two hot women <laughs> two, lusting two over the me. hottest women, two ever. of the hottest women in the world <laughs> yeah, ever. Right. Also, I think this movie is the reason I like butch women. Because Dizzy is the butch. <laughs> Dizzy is woman. so hot. She's yeah. so hot, and she, and I was like, "Yeah, fucking no, don't take off that fucking helmet. You look so hot <laughs> in that fucking outfit." Oh, the co-ed showers. I love the scene where he's like, "So going <laughs> off that, but put your wiener away." <laughs> Everybody's got boners and. Oh, did you hear about the behind the scenes for the co-ed shower scene? No, oh, no. He was like Paul Verhoeven. It was like a close set, but he's like, "I'm going to shoot it, but I'll be naked too." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so he's just naked shooting. I love him so much. <laughs> I love the scene where Rico, um, he get, they're all like, "You're this, you're that." He's like, "You're infantry," and he's so disappointed. He's like, "Okay," and the guy giving him is like, "Good for you." Mobile infantry made me the man I am today. Packs up. He has no legs, and Rico's just like, <laughs> he has "Fuck!" No, all the adults no in the movies no are missing at least one limb. Yeah, it's every it's adult. So movie. fucking scary. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good. It's it like scary. traumatized me as a kid. I yeah. think about it so much. Same. Yeah. Anytime I see an amputee in real life, I'm like, "That reminds me of Starship Troopers," <laughs> and I'm literally not joking. <laughs> It's he was in infantry. Every time I is see this, my dad, is this actually a reference to Starship Troopers. My dad has one arm. Every time I see him, I think of Michael Ironside and Starship Troopers, and I'm. You not see a guy with him. no legs. You're just looking at him like you were infantry too, yeah, weren't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, you were on the. It's all. It's what is he? What does he say? It's a hostile planet, a bug planet. He's that guy. He's that guy. Yeah. yeah I've so never good. seen any of the sequels. I don't think I want to. They're Ooh. not good. They're not good. Yeah. I, I, feel like, I feel like I just need to I leave watched, it with the first one. I tried to watch two because it's Phil Tippett. Yeah. But it was rough. It's so rough. It's rough. It is Three is better, but... Straight to DVD. Straight to sci-fi channel. Yeah. I was say, not even a DVD. Straight yeah. to the sci-fi channel. Three is also that, but it's got cool some cool practical effects, and it brings back the propagandistic nature of the And Riku personally comes back, right, from the original. Yeah, he's still hot in it. Yeah, I mean... He's yeah, still hot in it. How are they going to stop it? 
Yeah, I mean, like he doesn't age from that one to Marauder. Uh, He's he looks so good. And he got MPH. I think that was his first big Neil role Patrick since Doogie Howser. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's and like great. every actor in that movie, he they hired because they're shit actors. Yeah. <laughs> no, Gary Busey's son's good. Yeah, he's pretty good. I, I love and, and I RJ. Apparently, you didn't have this have this experience, but I I wonder if you did, Mike. Uh, my changing opinion of the movie as I age, because as a kid, I was just like enamored with its. Because as a kid, I didn't realize it was goofy and absurd. I just thought it was a perfect movie. Right. Because my child brain could only understand yeah. things in broad terms. And I was like, this is amazing. I feel like I'm growing up. Because it, it goes over so much of these characters' lives. Yeah. That I felt like I was growing up with these characters, being sent out with them, experiencing these horrific nightmare scenarios, which I loved. I loved the horror. I loved the creatures. I loved the gore and violence. Oh, I just loved everything of it. Oh, it's so good. Oh. Even still. What's funny is I had a similar, like, when I was a kid, my dad always loved war movies. And mm-hmm. I thought they were boring. And then this movie came out, and I was so into it. I loved it so much. And I was like, I'm growing up. I'm maturing. It's I like a war movie. movie. Yeah. And then I watch it as a, an adult. I'm like, this movie is goofy as shit. <laughs> yeah. But I love it. And, and, and I realized the la- the second time I watched it, like as a, in high school, I was like, oh, this is way goofier and dumber than I thought. Right. And then like now I watch it, I'm like, this is a fucking brilliant it's satire. Brilliant. <laughs> it's fucking insanely because it's, brilliant. It's not goofier than any other like state sponsored war movie. Yeah, it's, a, yeah. it's, it's propaganda. Yeah, it's propaganda. It, it is in universe propaganda, uh-huh. and it's like brilliant. It is. So, so good. good and like winks and nods at the perfect points i oh. hate i hate like satire where they wink and nod at you too early or yeah, something, yeah. and they don't do it that early like but, you but just they, see background pieces that where you can kind of piece it together but by the end they he's like fuck it this is a fucking satire yeah, they, yeah. They, well I, I don't really feel like they do when wink. the children come in in the in the armor oh yeah that's true <laughs> yeah <laughs> like like his whole squad is like i was like here's your new squad it's like 10 year olds yeah yeah Young people from all over the globe are joining up to fight for the future. I'm doing my part. I'm doing my part. They're doing their part. Are you? Join the mobile infantry and save the world. Service guarantees citizenship. True stories. Let's go. True stories. True stories. Yeah, I'll go. I, have a, I feel like I have a different opinion about true stories. Okay. Who, do you want to go to Mike or do you want me to eat, get, do my bit? bit? Um, so I went into true stories. I've never seen it. I had heard of it. I've seen the trailer. I'm uh, not the trailer. What am I saying? I've never heard of it. I have seen I had seen like the poster, the cover art. I had no idea what it was, and I went into it blind, which I like going to movies like that. No idea that it was like kind of sort of musical. Yeah. And I still until like days later when RJ told me I did not know. My favorite character was the dude riding around in the car just saying obscure shit. Dude, did not know that was the lead singer of Talking Brown, Heads. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and the director. Yeah, yeah I didn't know that either. I think he also maybe wrote it or co-wrote it. You know who wrote it, by Ooh. the way? Um, let me make sure this is true. Um, yeah, it's the fucking... It, it's Stephen Tobolowski, who you might not know off the top of your head, but... Um, Surprisingly not. He is... He's a, You remember Ned? Ned Ryerson from... Yeah. From, uh, oh, that guy. Yeah, he's a writer. He's like Groundhog a big time Day. writer, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I kept. I th- he was in Thelma and Louise. But anyway, let's not get off on that tangent. <laughs> let's keep talking about it. What were your? Did you have any more thoughts? I mean, I loved it. Um, I will say it was like a movie. Like the start of it, I loved it. I was like, this is gonna be awesome. Mm-hmm. And then the middle, I kind of got bored a little really? bit. I was like, okay, it's losing really? me. It's, it got repetitive. I felt like. Yeah, there was but one, then, there's then, one repetitive scene. I feel. But then, like after the like middle, after that hump, it got like amazing again, and I still, I, I was like, okay, this is great. What what scene for you, RJ, was the repetitive scene? It's the church scene. 
Which yeah. I like. Like it's how, it was awesome. It was like really cool mm-hmm. visual. But I, I don't know. At that point, I was like, the I don't know, just kind of space out because yeah. it kind of really reflects the dinner scene before. That's fair. Yeah. Okay. And where they're, I like, love... every, where they're like, everybody say grace. They all just put their heads down. And then Dad looks up and he just starts preaching about like Balding gray. <laughs> all the shit, like the city, the that, economy, and the that's technology. What, there's so many of these performances in this movie that are just, they're so weird, but they're my favorite performances of all time. Yeah. That's Spalding Gray is the dad there. He's great. also the mayor, right? He, I don't think he's, he's not the mayor. He's like the he, rich guy yeah, in town. Yeah, but um, I one of the best things about that movie is his hands. Oh yeah! Just watch his hands while he's doing he's all moving. these motions. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god! But okay, what I love about this movie—I had a similar experience with you, Mike, when I first saw it. Um, I bought—I blind bought it from the um, the Criterion sale at Barnes and Noble like three years ago. It's a great mm-hmm. buy. Because I saw John Goodman on the cover, and I heard that it was like had to do with like these weird newspaper stories. I was like, oh, it's gonna be like a weekly world news, like yeah. weirdo comedy. And I watched it, and it's absolutely not that. No. But it's one of the most beautiful films I've ever seen in my life from the perspe- from like a, an emotional perspective for me. Like, ideologically, my most, like the purest desires that I have for the world, my worldview of not necessarily how the world is. It, Do you I, want the world to be like in the movie emotionally yes and and i agree i agree with it i agree with it psychologically because it's a statement it's a movie it's a beautiful movie about people about how people just want desperately to be seen and to be heard but how they're hampered by the society around them and that's how do you not even see that i don't even see that really that's how i felt that was my main takeaway really he's like a man with like no soul he has no. There's Who? nothing to him. John, John Goodman. John Goodman. Yeah. What? There's nothing to him. I disagree entirely. He's no, a, I wouldn't say he has no soul, but I like, disagree not, not entirely. No soul, but he, there's like he's just a piece of paper. Like he just no. He, he takes everything that's flying at him, puts it on to be able to project back into the world. In what way? What, explain. Like the fashion scene. He's like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm very aware of my appearance. I've noticed. Yeah. Well, just check these out here. Those are great. Yeah. Okay, that's. Well, then, well, that's that, okay. That's that's people. Okay, here, I feel here's like, the thing about people. John Goodman's character. I felt like he was just so obsessed. Like what am I trying? The norms of society has gotten so yeah. much to him, he where he's like obsessed with society. Yeah, he he's he's obsessed with like. Oh, he I see. I have a talent, yeah. and he's wanting a wife so bad, just for no he other reason. Have a talent. Yeah, yeah, for no other reason than that's just he's what he needs to do. He has to be married, but he's not. Shut the fuck no, up. No, I mean, like, in the story, he no, is, yeah, yeah. He is but not. He, but he gets good at he the gets end. A, no, he gets a voodoo guy to make him sing good. And it's beautiful. That's a beautiful guy. Yeah. Let but me like, look at like And then also, like, his big breakout performance thing mm-hmm. is him just lip syncing on a stage to another person's song. Yeah, but I don't know, man. Like, okay. like I feel like it's See, just. Okay. It's and a then, talent and to follow people who have. Bullshit. Like, that's what. <laughs> like, I felt. I thought it was like, I love the movie. I just yeah. thought it was like a dark. Documentary. No, I, I agree with what you're saying. It's I like everybody disagree. in it's kind of hollow. Yeah, nobody I had like, absolutely like disagree. Spe- like they had a spirit, but it's so bubbling under all these like 
ties and like yeah it was like they wasn't they weren't their real self they were trying to be like what society yeah, wanted them to be exactly don't agree with and even at, at the end when john goodman finally gets married he finally finds a wife and it's just the bitch who wants to stay in bed all the time yeah you could just see at their wedding you could just see this look yeah. of dread in his face they like pre- what did i do present, see that. they present her like she's like like that's what you aspire to be right it's to lay in bed all day and watch and tv no, and she literally true. has she literally has a machine doing everything yeah. for her, even feeding her they, they they reestablish it in the movie by saying Lewis told me he heard about a woman who lives around here and never gets out of bed. She's not sick. She's got enough money. She doesn't have to. Hey, wouldn't you? Or like, like, like the David, the David Byrne character. I feel like they reinforce that idea. Yeah, and she that. literally is turning, flipping the remote with her hand yeah. while she leans over and a machine feeds <laughs> yeah. her. John Goodman, he like bears his soul apparently, and he like wins the talent show at the end. But what does he get? He gets to lay in bed all day with the woman that he loves. He, wins, he finally he, gets what he wanted. You think? I don't, I, don't, I don't know. I don't think he loves her. She was like, he wins. He's she the best willing, one. Yeah. He's the best one on the TV. I want I him. I have, the, I have the money to get him. Yeah. All I see uh, when I see that movie, <laughs> That's what, uh, well, I, I think oh, I, I think David Burns ideology on the world is that he he exists. He exists in the same world that we do. He exists in this fucked up dystopian world where there's a whole scene where they're driving past these corrugated metal buildings that are all like what, yeah. what does he say he says metal buildings are the dream that modern architects had at the beginning of this century finally come true but they themselves don't realize it that's because it doesn't take an architect to build a metal building you just order them out of a catalog just pick out your color the size you want number of square feet what style what you need it for comes with a bunch of guys. They put it together in a couple of days, maybe a week. And there you go. You're all set to go into business. Just slap a sign in front. No, but this movie specifically, like most movies, especially nowadays, like feeds you the plot and feeds you what to think about mm-hmm. it. And, you know, it kind of takes a lot of away from that. Yeah. But this movie, like when it was over, I was like, if somebody asked me what was true stories about, I'd be like, Texas. Like, it, I don't, it, it's all about what you, it's what, what you, you take out of, out of it. Yeah. 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 So I think that, that movie specifically, in. like, you can show it to five different people, and five different people are going to have completely different mm-hmm. takeaways from that that's movie. True. And he exists in this world that's that's all this arguably fucked up shit. Yeah. Um. The the, the same shit that you're seeing, you know, all these malls, all these, um, the typical person. But what he sees when he sees that, he doesn't give a fuck about the context. All he sees is the beauty divorced from capitalism from consumerism he just sees the beautiful beauty of humanity and the beauty that, of this that is an interesting point actually um and he it's 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 what in it the, is to me end, is it's like probably. an alien yeah david burns character and yeah, i believe david burn it's yeah. like an alien coming in and he's seeing yeah. these things and interpreting them as beautiful and i think that it's interesting and very valid that you guys see yeah, it yeah. as as ironic um, oh yeah, it's definitely. Yeah, I don't agree that. Well, see, I feel like it's ironic because, like, the houses, for instance, he's like riding past all these like cookie cutter houses, and he says, "Who can say this isn't beautiful?" And yeah. there's not yeah, a note a of irony. And there's not it's, a it's note literally of there's just like paper flying yeah. around. Like they're not pretty houses. There's just like there's paper but, flying around. And what you're supposed to see is like you see this paper, and in my opinion, you see this paper flying around, and you're just like. By this point, in my opinion, yeah. to me, you're enamored by just the beauty of the simplest things. That's me. That's how See, I yeah. the way I and took it away is he's saying it's beautiful, but in reality, it's just like a shithole. I, I, saw, I saw that, but what you're saying is interesting about near the end, David Byrne, he says, I really enjoy forgetting. When I first come to a place, I notice all the little details. I notice the way the sky looks, the color of white paper, the way people walk, doorknobs, everything. 
Then I get used to the place and I don't notice those things anymore. So only by forgetting can I see the place again as it really is. That's a really good point. Because I had heard that. And that really struck with me. That was like one of the most... But yeah. I didn't really know how to piece it out. But yeah. yeah. yeah and, so that's, a, that's interesting. And I, to further my point about what this movie is about, it's all about people it's about the beauty of the world we inhabit um it's it's all about because here's the thing rj you say um you know that he's nobody that he's nothing uh, that he that he's just this blank sheet of paper but here's the thing about most people and there's nothing wrong with this yeah that most people are just a collection of their own influences yeah yeah, yeah. And everybody's That's a collection true. of their own influences everybody most people live their lives out of these catalogs out of whatever this is and david byrne looks at that and he doesn't see the horrors that you see he sees that it's just people living their lives if they lived in another time and a place they would have found similar influences to base their lives around yeah, yeah. and people who gives a fuck who gives a fuck that these are influences that 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 aren't their own that they're being uh, manipulated maybe they yeah. don't give a fuck they're just living their lives this is just it's a love letter to humanity Everybody just wants to be seen and be heard and experienced for who they are. And there's a there's a scene where there's just a man alone in an office, maybe a janitor in an office, and he's just dancing. And you can just feel the fact that he just wants to be seen. I get what you were saying now, because I read your video, I was like, I saw this movie so negatively. <laughs> and the pastor, the the pastor, the voodoo guy that he goes to, yeah, he's the most he's so pure, yeah. the purest man. I don't see how he fits into your interpretation of well, the cynical nature of well, this movie. Well, my cynical thing was so hampered down by the society. Mm-hmm. I looked at it more of like a society piece mm-hmm. rather than the individual people. Right. Okay. That's. I think that's where I saw it. That's it how doesn't really hone in on individual characters that much. It keeps you at a yeah. arm's length. Like, mm-hmm. but I looked at it as like a top-down view, maybe. Yeah. The whole movie, like its festival, is a spe- is a celebration of specialness, and we're yeah. all special and we're all unique. That's true. Even well, in the fact that we are society's fucking machines, we all work on an assembly line, but that doesn't make us any less special and beautiful. Despite that, and it's gorgeous. It's to me, it's one of the most beautiful pieces on ideology of yeah. on like a worldview of all time. It's my. Because they don't really have much of a, a plot, really. Yeah, like, there's no plot. Yeah. <laughs> It's all all story and vibes and music and we all it's just beautiful. It I is. just fucking <laughs> The C D rolls that it came with. Yeah, dude. Always yeah, listen dude. to it. Talking heads as fuck, dude. Yeah. It's a wild, <laughs> wild life. Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Absolutely. Okay. Which yeah. is more of a, a newer film. It came out in 2004. Yeah, it's true. But this movie, like, it's definitely my favorite Jim Carrey film and it's role. Yeah. But um, when it came out, I went to the theater because I was like, okay, it's kind of Jim Carrey, Kate Winslet, like, you know, they they make good movies. And I went to the theater just expecting that, expecting like a dark comedy with Jim Carrey in it. Mm-hmm. And I was just blown. Like, I was the only one who liked it leaving the theater of me and my what? friends. It's just such That's a beautiful movie. It is. The way it's filmed is almost uh, scary. Oh yeah. Like yeah. and the dialogue, yeah, like this movie makes you like most it's technically kind of sort of a love story. Most it love is. stories you don't give a shit about the couple. Mm-hmm. This movie by the end of it you were like almost mm-hmm. in tears wanting them to get back Screaming together. At the TV. <laughs> yeah. I, I did cry at the end. I was like, they're gonna get back together. Yeah. Dude, I cried just about every time I watched this movie, especially when they're like they're their kid selves. 
Oh, and it's yeah. just that's so weirdly potent. It is like it's, it's so much about this movie, like the imagery in it is just I don't know. It gets me every time, no matter how many times I've seen. It. I've seen this movie like fifty thousand times. But I, when I saw it as a kid, there were two little two bits that stuck out to me. It was that sequence as kid when they were kids, and then like when the lights start go like all the the lights are going out in the library. I don't know why those yeah. two. Not the, uh, but when the the writing goes off the books, and then they, he's like running, trying to escape the memory wipe. Right. But oh, it's, it is, it, it's the best breakup movie ever made. Oh, definitely, easily. Because like every time you break up with somebody, what's your first thought? I just wish I could forget him. Yeah. Because breakups hurt. It sucks to go through a breakup. And it's. Oh God, it's and this movie it, it tells us like you know keep those memories you know yeah. like because that's they, what he does. There's a, like there's just business that can erase people's memories from mm-hmm. you. And, and it's, it's just going working. through that process of like erasing his ex's memory and it's destroying him. And he's yes. like desperately trying to undo it. That's something that I wanted to talk about because when I remember, I used to love this movie every time I used to, I, I watched it. I haven't seen it since probably high school, mm-hmm. but it started and Jim Carrey's character is this snivelly little bitch. He really is. And uh, Kate Winslet's character is a manic pixie dream girl. And I was like, oh, no, this is not going to hold up at all. <laughs> and then it kept going. And then the whole point of those characters starting out that way is that they've had their memories wiped of, like, these incredibly important moments in their lives. And it's reduced them to... It's like stunted them. Yeah. It's stunted them yeah. into these character uh, caricatures. And I thought that was fucking brilliant. And it's got... This has... This should probably... This is probably this deserves to be. This is one of the best movies ever made. Right. Um, oh. It's got the one of the greatest screenplays ever made. It's one of the most. I own it. I own the screenplay. Of this movie. <laughs> really? I do. An original copy or what? No, it's like a reprint off okay. Amazon. But that's awesome. But yeah. That's <laughs> sick. It is one of the most well written, tightly scripted. Like every moment, like calls back to something that comes forward or comes before. It is so fucking good, and the the. And it and it rewards rewatches so so much so much because you you can watch it over and over again and you like pick you'll up pick up things. shit yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. like the the car the car damage oh. it's brilliant it's so fucking good and the way it's filmed like is it. just I don't know yeah. you like it yeah, I, I didn't make this one. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> But well, like the uh, so, uh, it's, uh, fuck it, they're top four. I won't spoil it. Yeah, but it's not like the movie. Yeah. But like the end of the movie, like they find each other again. But through the whole movie, you're seeing like these horrible fights they have. Yeah, and you could tell like these people are not good for each other because they're well, just they're toxic yeah. to each other. But then they love each other. Mm-hmm. But then like they both forget about each other. And then at the yeah. end of it, they reconnect. They're like re-meeting each other all over again. Mm-hmm. And part of you wants to know, like, are they going to be able to do it this time? Or are they going to just break up all over again? See, my read on the film is uh, very similar. It's, you start out the movie and, I mean, besides the sequence at the beginning where they meet, quote unquote, you first start going through his memories. It's like a breakup. You, all you remember at the end of the break, at the end is the horrible shit. The reasons that you broke up. Um, you're like, yeah, this fucking sucked. This bitch, I hate this bitch. This fucking sucks. I, I'm so glad she's not in my life anymore. And then the longer you go, the more you remember the good times, and the more you remember that it's more complex than that. Right. And then by the end, you're like, this is a, you know, I shouldn't get rid of these memories. And what I interpret the ending as is not so much that they think 
that it could work. And, you know, in my, my hopes and dreams, I think they can make it work. I think yeah, it's, definitely. you know, they, they now have the context of what they couldn't say to each other before. And they now, I don't know, they have this, this different experience. So maybe they can, but that's mostly fantasy at the end of the day. And what I think the movie is saying, cause it ends with them going with Kate Winslet's character going, um, you're going to get, tired frustrated by me and i'm gonna get bored and feel trapped by you that's just how it goes with me and jim carrey goes yeah okay it's worth it yeah. you know and that's and she's like yeah it is worth it and so it's it's you know i love that line though he's he just take like he looks down he looks like him, he goes okay, okay. yeah and they, okay. they do it i yeah. love that so much so beautiful because yeah i mean there, what's because you can go all day. You can go. What's the point of of being in a relationship of falling in love? It's you know, it's yeah. it's not the end goal that matters. It's the experiences exactly. that you have along the way. It's fine. You know, it's 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 so pure. Such, it's a, such a good beautiful fucking, fucking movie. movie, dude. That RJ didn't rewatch. Sorry. <laughs> You're just like, yeah, it's good. <laughs> yeah. It is one of the greatest movies ever made. the The way that it weaves between the dreams, the different memories, and the way that those like feel like a dream like 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 the the real world is coinciding like because he's he's experiencing these memories as dreams basically and like he's half asleep because he can hear the characters talking and he's like the way that they mine that for drama too because patrick by the way they shouldn't have named the character patrick. <laughs> the shittiest character in the whole movie is named patrick, patrick. Yeah. <laughs> they shouldn't have named, they shouldn't have called him that that pisses me off um the way that like they mine that for drama because jim carrey can hear it and he's like how the fuck does he know all this shit? How does he know all this about you, Clem? You know? Oh, God. And the way that they're, that at the beginning, he's like, I don't know any jokes about Clementines. You're, you go, you don't know any jokes about the word Clementine? The most popular song in existence is, <laughs> Oh, my darling, oh, my darling, oh, my Clementine? darling Clementine. You don't know that? What a l- fucking loser. And then 30 minutes in, you go, oh, fuck. <laughs> That's br- it's brilliant. It's a brilliant movie. I also love that like there are these two people they break up and they're going through like oh yeah we're toxic we were a toxic relationship yeah. but then the people that are erasing their like memories are in their own like toxic shit yeah like you have Patrick who's mind fucking this fucked. woman yeah that he don't even know and he's like making her fall in love with him because he's trying to be just like Joel yeah. And using all Joel's memories and shit and then you have <laughs> Kirsten Dunst who is dating fucking the Hulk I can't uh, remember uh, his name Mark now Ruffalo, Mark yeah. Ruffalo and, and fucking the doctor at the same yeah. time and then Mark Ruffalo finds out yeah it's just it's it's they're all in their own and they, they do this for people they like provide the service but they're in their own fucked up relationships and something that I thought was really cool and that's subtle is there's there's a scene early on where Kirsten Dunst and um Mark Ruffalo are like laying in bed to either side of Joel and she's just going on this rant about something I don't remember what it is but Mark Ruffalo is sitting across from her, and he's just like, shut the fuck up. Yeah. <laughs> like, he clearly does not give a fuck about what she's saying. And you're like, oh, this relationship's not going to work out. Mm-hmm. Or, or it's, you know, it's got problems, too. It's in its, it's in its early stages, but you can just see the problems. And, and it's just, it's, it's a movie all about the complexity of relationships and, like, their arguably doomed nature and why we still go through them. All I want to say is just, it's just me reiterating how brilliant I think it is. Yeah. It's just... The script is so tight. Um, he, I, the dude has made Michael, what's his name? Michael, My, Michelle Gondry. Yeah. He's made tons of else. great movies. Like Science of Sleep was really good. I haven't seen it. Be Kind Rewind was really good. Oh, yes. I love Be Kind Rewind. Uh, 
But and, like none of his yeah, movies, and Righteous none of his movies even like hold a candle to this one though. Do we have anything else we want to say about Eternal Sunshine? I'm gonna watch it tonight. Unfortunately, RJ and Patrick's microphones were unplugged for the discussion for RJ's number three pick, Batman: The Dark Knight Returns. Michael thought it was decent. Part one is like I think legitimately a good Batman cartoon. Part two, it's a shitty story, great fight scenes. RJ loved it, and Patrick wouldn't be quiet for five minutes to let anyone else get a word in. That's the movie we were talking about. It's not a great adaptation of a great comic book. Okay, this is this is where. Let me talk. Oh my god. <laughs> A decent discussion on fascism and its merits did occur. What do you think about the how deeply fascist the movie Oh, I love it. That's the best part of it, is the fascist undertones. But it was ultimately a fruitless endeavor. Be glad this is all you hear. See you for the next part.